are the future trends that are sneaking up on us rapidly? Beasley Media Group Vice President of Programming Buzz Knight interviews thought leaders of today on new innovations, new methods, new strategies, and new thinking on this podcast, Healthy Paranoia. Metrics, big data, and attribution are words today that we hear on a regular basis. Algorithms aplenty is the new norm. How do we make sense of it all? How do we learn and emulate what other media is thinking about measurement and metrics? Today, on Healthy Paranoia, we turn to one of my favorite people when it comes to unleashing the creative spirit, Mark Hughes. Mark's book from some years ago called Buzz Marketing is still a must-read when it comes to stirring the pot and getting attention in a crowded marketplace. Mark's history includes growing eBay's Half.com from zero to eight million customers while spending over $100 million online planting the seeds for his current company, which is called C3 Metrics. Mark, you're one of the new kings of big data. Tell us about the new empire you've built with C3 Metrics. Well, I'm not so sure if if I'm a king or a knight, but... uh, (laughs) But, you know, what we've done here at C3 Metrics is, you know, over a long period of time... Uh, we kind of saw the issue of attribution and wrote our first lines of code back in 2008. So uh, we've been doing attribution for, you know, uh, a decade now. And, you know, we did it uh, back when uh, folks uh, didn't really understand the issues, the problems. But in a, in a nutshell, um, you know, uh, Salesforce just came out with a study that said, on average, there are six different marketing channels that a, you know, typical advertiser uses, and it doesn't take a genius to figure out that, hey, listen, if I'm advertising in six different channels, um, if my measurement is in six different silos, and that measurement doesn't cut across every single silo um, in the form of attribution, um, then... You know, I'm probably just rewarding the very bottom of the funnel and uh, not kind of reinvesting, or I should say investing in upper funnel and mid funnel tactics. Uh, You're simply only investing in kind of uh, the harvesting of the wine versus, you know, the planting of the seeds and the nurturing and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, that's that's what we've been up to. And um, we've got about 40 people and, you know, clients, uh, big name banks and uh, U.S. Army and uh, uh, things like that. In terms of the side of the channels and funnels that you are measuring, um, it's certainly on the client side, as you just described, but um, is it also on the larger side of broadcast media? Yeah, in fact, uh, we've we've been talking to a number of MVPDs on the um, on the TV side, and also we're uh, just signing a deal with a large, well-known um, radio entity conglomerate, et cetera. I can't really talk about what their name is, but um, yeah, we're seeing that desire coming from the TV and radio kind of publisher side, if you will. And I think it's more so as a result of uh, for for more than a decade, digital has been you know kind of bathing in all this data. Um, you know, clicks and views and this and that, whatever. Um, unfortunately, all that data doesn't necessarily um, mean a whole heck of a lot if it's siloed and if it's not false positive corrected and it's not kind of 
you know, Google really doesn't care about what radio does, and Google really doesn't care about what TV does, and vice versa. You know, DirecTV couldn't give a hoot about, um, you know, what Facebook is doing. Um, they all kind of want to take credit um, for themselves. So, you know, in baseball, um, you need an umpire, um, because if you do away with the umpires or if you say, you know... The Boston Red Sox, we're going to have our own umpire for the Red Sox. And the Cleveland Indians, we're going to have our own umpire for the Cleveland Indians. And guess what happens? If they're calling their own balls and strikes, everyone wants to call four balls and get a walk, and then baseball ends. So we're now starting to see kind of TV and radio um, say, hey, we should, we should probably catch up to the digital side in terms of measurement. And it's really only been since the advent of the iPhone and the tablet in 2007 and 2010 um, that we're now kind of able to do that and connect a lot of dots. And, you know, kind of TV is now catching up in terms of, hey, gender and age uh, aren't exactly good predictors. And I need to deliver different um, kind of reports that I've been sending to my advertisers other than the same ones for the past 20 years. So, yeah, we are starting to see um, TV saying, hey, listen, we need to catch up with digital and radio, and we need to catch up with digital. And we've kind of, you know, closed the closet door on measurement um, to compete with digital and attribution until very recently. So as your company has evolved, what's improved since launch, and, and how did you find the, the best path to that improvement? Well, uh, everything's improved. Um, or I should say, as, as Mark Zuckerberg has once said himself, uh, we've made every mistake in the book. <laughs> <laughs> we probably have, too. Um, but... When you're doing something brand new, like Facebook, you know, there wasn't a Facebook before, and there wasn't the social type of social media that Facebook created. It created a whole new kind of, you know, highway system, if you will. And that's what attribution and feature metrics is, you know, kind of doing. We were one of the very first, in fact, we were so early that we bought or we were able to buy attributionmodel.com, attributionmodeling.com, tvattribution.com, and a whole bunch of other you know, kind of domain names that were just sitting there kind of like waiting for someone to snatch them up. So we were that early. You know, when you do things like this and, you, and no one has ever done it before, you're going to make mistakes. Um, so, you know, we've made uh, a lot of mistakes, um, but learned from every single one of them. Um, and we continue to find little small ones here and there and tweak things. But uh, we started out in terms of digital attribution. Um, and in 2012, I believe, we convinced the former CEO and chairman of Nielsen, uh, John Dimling, to kind of come on over um, to our company, C3 Metrics, and um, help develop our TV and radio uh, attribution kind of product and algorithms. Um, so that's kind of the, the, the biggest one um, that's evolved. I think generally speaking, not just for C3 metrics or attribution in general, um, I think the, the kind of ability to piece together household level data has really changed. And, and I'll give you, a, you know, one example, um, you know, Pebble Post is a direct mail company, direct mail. Everyone thought that was dead. You know, CPMs are something like anywhere from $500 CPMs to $800 CPMs. 
or even more in direct mail. And um, now there's this company, Pebble Post, and they're kind of like a direct mail retargeter. And they've got a site tag sitting on the you know, advertiser site or client site. And um, if you come to, let's say, landzen.com and you don't make a purchase, let's say, for 48 hours, which is actually pretty common, what they'll do is they'll listen for um, the conversion tag to fire. And if they don't see that conversion tag firing for that particular device, um, then they'll send uh, kind of a, uh, that cookie over to a company like LiveRamp or DataLogic, owned by Oracle, um, and or Experian, and, and those folks will kind of reverse append that cookie and give you a household address. Oh, this cookie actually, you know, we're basically guessing, but we have a high probability guess that this is Mrs. Smith at 123 Elm Street, Chicago, Illinois. And then, so if Mrs. Smith from 123 Elm Street on her device uh, visits Land's End, doesn't make a purchase within 48 hours, guess what? Pebble Post, with its partnership um, with LiveRamp, DataLogix, et cetera, they can send a direct mail piece to that person and say, hey, listen, uh, how about $10 off a $50 or $100 purchase at landsend.com? Those types of things are getting very, very new. At the same time, recently, you've got a lot of um, kind of you know, the GDPR um, data that's, uh, that's kind of coming into effect and starting to you know, change the way that's looked at. But that's another big trend in terms of, you know, data is everywhere. And if, you know, as Eric Schmidt, you know, formerly of Google, once said, you know, if you want to remain private, just don't use the Internet. <laughs> you know, the world's awash in big data, and you've kind of answered some of it in your last piece there. But, you know, help us make sense of really what is most important. And obviously, that's specific to, a, you know, whatever the client is and their need. Well, when it comes to big data... I think the most important thing, and that's what we try to do at C3 Metrics, is make that big data smaller. Um, you know, there's so much data, especially in, you know, add in kind of display impressions. Um, and there's a lot of bad big data um, out there uh, in terms of viewability, um, kind of, you know, malware. But, for example, when you're talking about programmatic display on the Internet, um, what we see, which is also what Comscore sees, because we have our own proprietary viewability tag. We uh, started working on it in 2009. Um, we see about 68% of programmatic display ads are not eligible to be seen. They don't appear in technical terms, they do not appear in the viewport of the browser uh, of the user. So, you know, um, typical campaign may have uh, 100 million, you know, programmatic display impressions in a month. Um, you can knock out 60, you know, 600 and, you know, 68 million of those um, immediately as false positives. And then you kind of throw in some fraud in there and whatnot. So there's a lot of um, kind of janitorial work um, that uh, presents a huge problem to people trying to analyze big data, and that's one of the things that our platform has simply recognized and, and simply automates um, as much of those false pauses out of the equation before you even start analyzing it. But, you know, the days of, you know, taking a look at 100 different TV stations and 
you know, 60 different radio stations and whatnot and trying to make sense of that in an Excel spreadsheet. Those days are gone. There's just, you know, hundreds of millions. And, you know, Excel has a limit. And really what, um, what advertisers and CMOs and agencies are wanting to do, which is, you know, our kind of DNA and philosophy is make big data small. First of all, take out all the crap, pardon my French, um, <laughs> and the fraud, which is everywhere. I, obviously, in TV and radio, going over the airwaves, there's not a lot of fraud. Um, you know, there's post log files, and yes, it appeared on the screen, or yes, it aired over the airwaves. Um, and so you don't have those types of issues in TV and radio that you do uh, in digital. You have to kind of level out the playing field and say, what is eligible to be seen? Um, have a platform that kind of, you know, um, cleans out all the junk and all the fraud in uh, all of the what we call multicollinearity, kind of the correlation that does not have causation, if you will, and then make all that big data once it's kind of automatically prepped, make it very small and make it in you know in terms that you know a typical marketer already understands. For example, what's my ROAS and what's my CPA in our world when it comes to attribution, we're doing the same thing except we're saying, aha, we're going to give you an attributed CPA uh, and we're going to give you an attributed ROAS. And guess what? Um, you know, what you once saw from your siloed reporting system is going to be a lot less because guess what? There cannot be four pies. You know, at the end of the day, you had basically kind of one pie, you know, one pot of conversions and one pot of revenue. There cannot be four pots of revenue because let's use the Salesforce number, you know, six different channels these days or six pots. So you can't have six pots of revenue, six times the amount of revenue that you actually do because from an earnings standpoint, from an accounting standpoint, that's not really too cool. But that's really what's been going on for the past decade or more is we've been looking at those individual siloed reporting systems. And when you add it all up, you're overcounting by anywhere from four to six X. Um, and attribution kind of says, wait a second, there's just one pie. We're going to slice up the different pieces according to um, who deserves the credit. And part of that is kind of the, the platform that eradicates a lot of bad stuff, uh, unviewable stuff, uh, false positives, and then uh, our Bayesian kind of machine learning model um, divides up the pie accordingly. It's the knife that slices it up and says, okay, TV, you get this, this much of the pie. Okay, radio, you get this much of the pie. In, and even within that, which radio stations, which TV stations, which pieces of creative, and creative is so important to TV and radio. Um, in fact, uh, CBS Television Chief Research Officer David Poltrak um, uh, had a pretty famous study at the ARF um, indicating that 70% of TV's impact is due to creative. Um, and you think it would be due to media selection and whatnot. Um, and to some extent that is true, but you know, you're all dealing with the same kind of Nielsen or Donnelly numbers, and if you want to buy women age, you know, 35 to 54, you really got to be an idiot to mess that one up because everyone's playing from the same deck. And then what distinguishes kind of that impact from television and impact from radio is 
what you put in the 30 seconds, what you put in the 60 seconds. Is it engaging? Does it want to make people kind of you know, change the channel? Uh, is there a compelling offer, et cetera? So creative is just so important these days, and I think that's a subject that not a lot of people are talking about. And quite frankly, you know, to do really excellent creative, it's hard. You know, things that are hard and done well are fulfilling, and things that are easy typically yield, you know, not as not as great results. Well, lastly, innovation is, you know, the core of your creative process. You, know, you and I have spoken a lot about this over the years when it comes to innovation in the radio business. Um, as only you, Mark Hughes, can do, light a firecracker for us at evolving our business in an even more crowded audio space. Well, I think... You know, Jerry Lee is, is as long as he's been around. He, I would say, he's a much better innovator than than you know than I am. You know, could ever you know you know kind of pray to be you know in terms of radio and radio research. Jerry is pretty smart, and and um, he and now some other um, kind of radio entities are saying, hey, listen, I will pre-test your radio creative, and I might even provide a guarantee of ROI given that I can pre-test your creative ahead of time. Um, and that is really, really smart. Uh, you know, the days of writing a radio script um, and going into the studio and, you know, maybe running it by the CEO very quickly, uh, you know, on his way to another meeting in the hall, um, those days really should be gone. Um testing of creative and radio and TV um, should be priority number one. Before you even, you know, go towards, you know, what that media plan is, obviously, you know, your, your target, your demographic, et cetera, and you can, you can get there. But, um, but I think the innovation um, really needs to come in terms of creative. And, you know, quite frankly, um, you know, when your back's up against the wall and, compared to digital, um, you know, TV and radio do have a little bit of that going on. Um, when your back's up against the wall, you, you all of a sudden do get creative and you do get innovative. And my sense is what's going to happen in TV and radio is, is that um, creative will become a lot more important and people will start to realize that and test it um, and iterate uh, like never before. Because perhaps there, you know, there might not be too many alternatives and choices. I think you know, TV and radio um, do work with the proviso that you put good stuff in the 30 seconds or 15 seconds or 60 seconds. Um, it's just like going to a restaurant. You know, restaurants serve a purpose, and yes, they work. But you can have great restaurants that do very well for many, many years, and you can have terrible restaurants um, that will only be around for a year or as long as the lease or even less. Um, and that's like creative. You know, you can have a good meal or you can have a bad meal. You can have a good piece of creative or you can have a bad piece of creative. Um, but I think that's where the innovation is going to come uh, in this industry. Mark, as always, thanks for your great insights. Very much appreciated. Thank you. Appreciate it. Fearless, bold thinking is a requirement for us to keep up in a crowded marketplace. Mark Hughes is the type of thought leader that defines why we call this podcast Healthy Paranoia. 
On our next edition, we'll talk with Pete Bigelow, the transportation and technology editor from Car and Driver, on the current state and future state of driving and transportation. Thanks for listening to Healthy Paranoia with Buzz Knight. Steady production guidance provided by Boston Beasley Media Group's Mark Clark.